Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on What Chaos, it's Leafs, 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 Nylander, Matthews, possibly other, just those two. We also sit down with former Philadelphia Flyers player Jim Montgomery, who has no ties to the Bruins because we're not a Bruins podcast. We're learning about all-stars. Do you care? And has Wayne Gretzky hit the peak of his popularity, or is he a growing superstar in the NHL? Find out on today's What Chaos. Hit subscribe and give us five stars. It's January 4th, 2024, and it is What Chaos. Hi, everybody. Hi, Pete. Hi, Sean. Hey, buddy. Big, big, big episode. Not a Bruins podcast. We got uh, former Flyers great Jim Montgomery on the pard. Old ass interview, I got to say. This one's kind of been in the can. Yeah, is this our oldest in terms of like the one that we've sat on for the longest amount of time? Because I think so. No, we did a Gretzky one like six months ago (laughs) and just haven't cared to do anything with it. We're waiting until he's uh, hitting peak popularity. Yeah, that's true. Wayne Gretzky is... uh, I think some people have said recently, yesterday, might have been us, that Wayne Gretzky is more popular than he's ever been in the sport of hockey. We are currently embroiled in controversy as a result of your comment. So he met IT. He was going to Canucks game with Nickelback. So you said he's the most, this is like he's hitting his prime. This is the most popular he's ever been. And uh, we got trolls and haters online. Somebody commented, might be more popular than he's ever been. Okay. Tell me you don't know hockey without telling me you don't know hockey. I'll tell you what. I went back and looked up. I'm assuming this person was saying like, oh, back when he played, there were no YouTube clips or shorts or reels or Instagram, anything about him hanging out with Nickelback back then. So that's true. And as our producer, Sean, made the unbelievable point uh, with Wayne Gretzky's media career taking off on the TNT panel, There are young people that know about Wayne Gretzky as well as all the old people that never shut up about Wayne Gretzky. Sean, a higher percentage of humans know who Wayne Gretzky is now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's not like Wayne Gretzky played in the early 1900s. A lot of the people that watched him play are still alive, and now there are more people alive watching hockey. So I think mathematically speaking, Wayne Gretzky is more popular than ever. So he also has Hank and Biz and Liam to thank for this because those are people that have followings themselves. So if you like Liam McHugh's stuff, you're going to say, who's the old guy sitting near him? Oh, that's that dude I saw hanging with IT the other day. He must be cool. Now Wayne Gretzky's got a new fan. Yeah. 
Right. Like it's, he, he has the, he already had the hockey community, like complete raps. All the old heads love Wayne Gretzky and they never shut up about him. But now Wayne Gretzky's got like young people clout too. Because he's riding Liam McHugh's coattails. Exactly. Precisely. And he, I feel like he had like kind of a decade there where he kind of was out of the public eye. And so his popularity dwindled. The stocks on Wayne Gretzky are, are as high as they have ever been because he is just, He's going up, up, up after being rather lowly for the early. He was known for a while. People were like, oh, like that's that, that's that Coyotes coach. Yeah, like I know him. But people forget this. It, he wasn't even a great coach. He didn't end up being. But yeah, and for a while, he was just Paulina's dad. For a while, like Paulina was, his daughter was more popular than he was for a number of years. So 90s, he had played hockey, video game mogul. Yep. He was like the Tony Hawk before Tony Hawk. Shout out Wayne Gretzky's 3D Hockey 64 and Wayne Gretzky's 3D Hockey 98. Now he's a legend. He's on TV and with the popularity of things like YouTube, you could still watch him play hockey. Yeah. It's not like he's lost. The, we've lost the ability to watch him play hockey. So uh, sorry to poll rank user bunch of numbers, but you're wrong. Wayne Gretzky is now getting popular. Respect Pete for pointing out that uh, he's starting to hit his stride right now. Uh, we'd be remiss if, and I'm, I'm sorry, I was going to uh, ask Sean's thoughts on the PWHL, but we'll get to that maybe in a little bit. I have some. We, you have some? Oh, yeah. Well, we got to start with the Maple Leafs because look at that man right there. Awesome, Matthews, number 34. Shout out, Foco. Uh, Leafs come back last night to beat the Ducks. Galvanizing win? I think so. They sure the Leafs can score a million goals, but can they win a low scoring grinded out game against a tough team like the Anaheim Ducks? Yeah, a real many uh, were asking a real gr tough grinded out team like the Anaheim Ducks. Gr that, that's one where you're like, hey, Tyler Bertuzzi, we're going to need you to take the lead on this one. <laughs> short, <laughs> short, they, I mean, they had to get past a shorthanded goal from Frank Vitrano. That's a that's a big obstacle to come over. Was that goal shorthanded? Short yeah. Frank Vitrano was killing yeah. penalties. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that was yeah. Holy fucking balls. <laughs> yeah, a real grinded out Anaheim Ducks team. I love that so much. I've been I've just been like hovering over purchase on the Frank Vitrano like purple very expensive jersey. Mm -hmm. I need to stop fucking spending money on jerseys. We Pete and I have been too willing to go out of pocket for things on this show. We're both going to be very dead soon. But when you tell me that Frank Vetrano is killing penalties, PK specialist, that oh, I'm like, just just for the record, if this was a real league, that would have ended the power play. Correct. Just okay. So. Wait. Keep talking about. Have a side conversation or something. I want to look up uh, the. Pete just said correct as if he respects the PWHL. No, I respect the rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said I wanted the NHL to adopt that rule before the PWHL did it. So, like, technically speaking, the PWHL stole my idea for the oh, okay. NHL. And so I even res I respect them even less. Oh, got you. Because uh, in this podcast... We are not about stealing ideas no. and taking them for our own. Everything's a real okay. Like, we are I'm that looking that would podcast. never be that would never happen never. on the show. Okay, all right. So you say so. He, you guys are sure that was a shorthanded goal. He scored it was a shorthanded goal. Okay, because I'm looking up the Ducks uh, shorthanded time on ice, and uh, Frank Vitrano is eighth. Frank Vitrano <laughs> kills over two minutes of penalties a game. Hell yeah, two thirteen among forwards. Let's see, he is. 
he is fourth. So he is like on the like PK two. Mm-hmm. Holy my God. I love that so much. And that's not Frank Vetrano slander. That is Frank Vetrano celebration. You know what we called him or I was trying to make his nickname back when he was in Boston? What? Frankie the shooter. <laughs> it just kind of sounds like a thing. He's got a great shot. That's what got him into the NHL. Nobody was like, thank God we got Frank Vetrano. Let's kill some penalties, boys. I love that. What a fucking player. What a career. I love Frank Petrano. And now the Ducks are just like Frankie the Shooter. Get out there on the PK unit. Let's get some shorthanded goals. And that's Maple Leafs talk. All right, now <laughs> to the Bruins. Uh, uh, kid, they come back. They beat the Ducks 2-1 in overtime. I did bet the Ducks to win in overtime. It was a real bummer. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Can't stay hot forever. Uh, but... Austin Matthews scores his 30th goal of the season. He's now got 30 in 35 games to lead the NHL. He is on pace for 68 goals this season, which is for real getting into like all time great scoring season territory. He would not be. So if he scored say 65, which he could do, he's on pace to play 80 games. That would be the most since Alexander Ovechkin did it in 2007 08 there's only been one 65 goal score since 1997 and back in like the up until like the early mid 90s guys would just like break off 65 66 67 maybe even 70 goals it doesn't fucking happen anymore austin matthews for as much as i get a little austin matthews fatigue at times is a fucking freak yeah i mean i so i said it uh, a week or two ago like it Austin Matthews, I believe, is the best American goal scorer. I know we make the joke Other about than Frank Vetrano. Yeah, I know we make the joke about Frank Vetrano, but Austin Matthews is is like the best, possibly the most talented American player ever to ever play, and best and, Leafs player ever. Yeah, I think definitely. So. Yeah, and and so like that's not to say that he's the most accomplished. Obviously, people the big pushback will be like Patrick Kane, Mike Madano, like more accomplished players who have won. But I'm talking in terms of pure talent and skill. I think that Austin Matthews is probably the best American player that has ever played. And if you score 68 goals in 2024, like you may as well have 80 or 90 goals because it's so much tougher to score. I mean, if I'm going to say that Connor McDavid is the GOAT, which he is when he has accomplished what the fucking Oilers accomplished. Mm -hmm. I'd be an absolute asshole if I said that Austin Matthews wasn't the best American player. Better than Kane? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Let's look at the all-time single-season goal-scoring leaders. You got Gretzky, who is now clearly at his most popular because he's being discussed on <laughs> a show right now in 2024. Gretzky, Gretzky, Hull, Lemieux, Solani, Alexander McGilney, Phil Esposito. One time I met Vince Gill and he said Esposito, Gretzky, mm-hmm. Hull, Curry. Like, look at fucking 92 goals in 80 games. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good Gretzky's for having a, a moment. Pretty good for a TNT analyst. See, Solani, Biz could never. You see Solani with that fake ass eighty-four game season. Gross. <laughs> Cheater. Yeah, Ca- che- cutting corners. He cheated. Team Solani was so good. I saw a fucking thing the other day that was uh, it was like a Paul Korea appreciation post, mm-hmm. and man, the NHL was different back then. But those two together, it was just they, they were just doing their thing man but I, I i'm not like a huge like ooh, get the single season do this who's he what's he sort of thing 
But if, I mean, 68 would put him in a tie for 18th in a single season. But like, could he get to 70? Could he get to 71 to be top 10? I think like the more motivated he is, I think we kind of saw it when he scored 60. Like towards the end of the year, it seemed like there was a little bit more more motivation to like really stack those numbers. And he was scoring basically at will. And, and I will say like, the goals that he scored this season, not a lot of cheapies in there. Uh, he Lame. is he has a lot of important goals. Uh, basically, every Leafs comeback that you've seen in uh, in a third period and in overtime, like Austin Matthews is scoring all those goals. He we we talk about like guys who are capable of just taking over games when they're like fuck this, like enough, let's just win this game. Austin Matthews is is that guy. So why don't we feel the way watching the Leafs the way? And I'm biased because I'm an Oilers fan, but like, why don't we get that? Like, holy shit, this is so fun and crazy feeling when we watch the Leafs. I know that maybe some people do, but with the Leafs, it's more sad. And the Oilers is a lot more like, fuck, this is what I imagine what drugs is like. Because I feel like the Oilers embrace the chaos a little bit more than the Leafs do. Like the, when the Leafs do it, the Leafs, it's like depressing. The That's Leafs also still have like that air of we invented hockey. Yeah. The Oilers would never fucking claim <laughs> to have to like be in charge of anything. The, that's it's a good point. The Leafs do kind of fancy themselves like the like the Leafs are we're, like we're authorities here. Yes, like, the the Leafs are, are like the uh, the the relative that shows up to the family gatherings and is dressed all nice and like has drives a nice car and and pretends that they have their life together when like real ones know their life is falling apart and they're just kind of holding up the act. The Oilers are the relative that shows up and is like strung out and is taking the walk before dinner, coming back absolutely bombed. And like they're just kind of letting it fly, but like really putting on a show. Can I admit something? I heard about the walk for the first time this year. This year? And I heard about it a million times. Does that mean that me and my cousins are all squares? Does it mean that... Maybe just I'm a square and my cousins are cool and smart enough to leave me out of that shit. I had never heard that before. That is wild. That has been a thing forever. Especially since you have cousins. Like, I don't have any cousins that I knew about the walk. You put your... Like, Sean's in on the walk? Yeah. God damn. Did you guys... So, I mean, we were both young, non-pot smokers. So, like, you didn't do the walk or anything? I didn't do the walk, but I still... I, even then, I knew about the walk. I had never fucking heard of it i was gonna say like i feel like you guys are making this up but it would be way too big a conspiracy so a little love for austin matthews and tell you what i'm a little more keen on watching leafs games if we're gonna get some sort of top if, if we get a top 10 goal scoring season in 2024 that is like the 99 home run race yeah, yeah but like i mean going back to the comparison like austin matthews doesn't really score goals like Connor mcdavid scores goals or like i mean i, I he guess he's closer to leon dreisaitl but like he's not single-handedly making shit happen and being like fuck like one versus five whatever usually that's not the way he gets his goals so it's I feel like that's part of the appeal of Oilers games where it's just like it, it, whenever Connor McDavid has the puck on his stick, he can do whatever he want and just take over a game. Austin Matthews takes like a little bit more help from from his teammates. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's still, you know, it's going to be fun to watch that chase. I meant to ask you, you said that you got McDavid on good odds for the heart back when they were struggling. Yeah. What were the odds you got him on? I think like plus 240. 
So he, it's like plus two seventy five now. Really? Yeah. So because I I almost I went to maybe, to maybe look at futures. More. I would think it, it it has to be better than that. I don't because know. Because now he's now the he's favorite. Close. He's yeah. the, like the odds on favorite. I don't think that he ever like truly dropped off that much though. Because people he's just still thought Connor that he McDavid. was he was producing, but people just thought he was hurt and not right. Right. Because that's what you say about Let's a player see. when the team isn't doing well. Connor McDavid plus two fifty. Plus two fifty. How would his odds have gone? Whatever. We're not a betting podcast until our betting sponsorship comes through, which it should any day now. Um, Off the Leafs game last night, though, I do have to point out uh, and ask the question because the question is being asked. Is Wayne Gretzky at his most popular? <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. The question has been asked and answered. He should do stuff with the PWHL to get a little clout. <laughs> yeah, he raises uh, profile. Should. Yeah. Uh, William Nylander, does he hate the troops? Because last night during the Toronto Maple Leafs game, they played the Anaheim Ducks, which means that we heard both anthems. And I'll tell you who didn't hear both anthems. William Nylander, because he was just straight up laughing through the American National Anthem. Take a look. It's also talking. He may as well be hooting and hollering. This guy is... Having a chuckle during the national anthem. I got to say, uh, for comparison, by the way, this is how other people uh, stand during the national anthem. It's well behaved. Nice. Yeah, this is what an anthem respecter looks like. Wearing the same pants and shoes I was, that I'm wearing today, but whatever. <laughs> These things are dope. Nobody noticed. Yeah. Just anthem respecters and anthem disrespecters. In William Nylander's defense... We are pushing it with the guitar solo national anthems. We're getting a little crazy. Like the kid in Seattle was cool-ish. He was tapping a little too much, which is a little guitar players know. That's like the way of tricking people into thinking you're good at guitar. It's an easy maneuver. The, what that guy was doing with the whammy bar last night, I don't know who it was. It sounded like it was like Steve Vai or something. Too much. Borderline disrespectful. I, I disagree with this take. For one reason and one reason only, and I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna win you over here. Oh, Jesse Larkin said, "Was that Steve Vai?" <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna win you over here with this one simple explanation. We have to keep pushing the guitar solo national anthems until the Jonas Brothers play at the Stadium Series, so that Nick Jonas can redeem himself with a guitar solo national anthem. That would be my fucking favorite. If you don't know what Pete's talking about, he ripped one of the greatest guitar solos of all time. Sean, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> I was like, Sean, what? So this is, so like this uh, will be another like why my TV work is now uh, part-time instead of full-time. But I used to love doing that. On the show, I would say like we have a clip and just throw it up. More to fuck with my co-hosts than to fuck with the producers because the producers were very certain. Like, we don't have a clip. He probably knows we don't have a clip. But yeah. if somebody was talking about a player or something, I'd be like, We'd have, we have that. And they'd be like, oh. And then, uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it was some award show. I think it was like the Country Music Awards or something. I don't know why Nick Jonas was there. But they were like, take it away, Nick. And he was like... I don't even have hands. This is... I, I, I don't know how to do this. You haven't even mentioned the best part, which is that you posted a YouTube video covering Nick Jonas's horrible guitar <laughs> solo and 
all the comments on the the cover of this guitar solo are like, "Wow, unbelievably beautiful." Post you, tabs. You yeah, post tabs. You have mute. You have the sheet music. It's yeah, the best. That was uh, yeah. That's on yeah. If you like YouTube, Nick Jonas guitar solo cover, and then afterwards, that was like the closest I've ever come to like starting something because then a bunch of people started uh, doing like YouTube covers. Of this horrible guitar solo. And that was like before you were in like the video content creator game. That was just like for love of the game. You oh, posted yeah. this, uh, this, this guitar solo. It was hilarious. I don't know if we had a word for that back then. Like we talked coming up with uh, Jim Montgomery. We asked him like, did they ever like say the word possession when you played? Is that just like a new fucking thing? I feel like that's like we didn't have. I don't think we said like content creator mm -hmm. 10 years ago no probably not it it still feels a little weird uh my question with the ne william nylander thing is how does this now affect his impending free agency because i think you can take every american team off the list of his suitors now because that's clearly not a guy you want in the room clearly not a guy you want on the ice for your american-based team he doesn't respect the troops he doesn't respect the anthem. Why should we respect him? And do Canadian teams now, because they're his only suitors, have to pay him more because a no trade clause is worthless? You can't say, all right, we'll give you a new trade clause for a little less money. Everybody knows none of the teams are going to want to trade for him. Not the ones in in uh, the United States of America. Yeah, you so now the you original pay him six more. has now become the Canadian six. He said, hey, we'll give you no trade clause. Uh, nice try, Flames. No one fucking wants me. <laughs> exactly. Uh, William Nylander of the Flames, by the way. Make that happen. Hell yes. No, the, uh, the Nylander, we actually do have like a William Nylander contract negotiation update because uh, this week, uh, Ryan Whitney said on Spit and Chicklets that he heard... Didn't say he didn't report this himself, but said he heard that the Leafs offered William Nylander eight years and $11.25 million annually, which is basically, the, I think, the exact same contract that David Pasternak got. But William Nylander is not accepting that deal yet because his dad wants him to push for more, for and more money. If you don't know who that is that is Bruins and to a lesser extent Capitals legend Michael Nylander who was a fucking awesome player I was telling you guys before the show a Michael Nylander jersey is like one of my white whales but Elliot Friedman takes that Whitney don't say I'm reporting this report and essentially says like yeah now that the family thing has been mentioned that's kind of what is going on. He says on 32 Thoughts, this is a unique negotiation because of Michael Nylander. Honestly, I feel gross writing it because I hate bringing up family when it comes to this stuff, but it is a factor in why everyone is so careful in discussing where things stand. He plays a major role in these conversations, and William is very loyal, as you would expect. Again, the key principles are not talking, but there's definitely feeling this will get done fast if there are four important yeses. Team, player, agent, and family i gotta say 11 to 5 11 and a half i know that he's having a monster season that is huge money not necessarily for the leafs because whatever fucking leafs throw your money around you're gonna be so screwed once uh austin matthews is up anyway so i guess try to continue your franchise while you're able to do it 
if this becomes a Johnny Gaudreau situation and he ends up leaving, goes, signs a seven-year deal with somebody else, is he getting $11.5 million? Probably, because cap's going up. Cap's going up. Cap's going up. Teams are dumb. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks have an infinite vault of money that they can throw at Nylander. I want so badly for the Capitals to sign him to two years. The Capitals? Times, I'm sorry, the Capitals. I got William, uh, Michael Nylander on the brain. I want the I Blackhawks. Like, he is under 35 years old. The Capitals are not interested, not Bucko. Interested. I want the Blackhawks to sign him to two years times like 12 and a half. Yeah. That would be awesome. And then just be like... We're going to give you all the money that we're going to have to give Connor Bedard in two years. And who knows if the lottery ends up being lucky for the Blackhawks again. They get Macklin Celebrini, and then they're off to the races. I just love that there is yet another um, Toronto Maple Leafs big impending uh, free agency sweepstakes that is being impeded upon by a player's father dad because Paul Marner and that whole saga with Marner was wild and now that it's sort of repeating itself allegedly with Michael Nylander is amazing I mean our dad's having a moment dads are absolutely having a moment boy that's dad's why, that's just got, fucking everything up. gotta be why Adam Fantilli's dad was just like I'm gonna get some FaceTime with this GM gotta gotta get out ahead of it <laughs> Oh, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, he's like, all right. So before you even think about it, $18 million a year. I'll tell you what. Some of the things we've seen we, from. You think that the, uh, the this year after this year, Maple Leafs are just going to cancel their dad's trips from now on? <laughs> oh, Imagine players coming down for breakfast and like and William Nylander seeing seeing Michael sitting down with uh, Brad for living and being like, oh, fuck. God damn it. Should we do no, I mean we shouldn't even joke about players' families, but like like a ranking of teams at risk of being of like franchises at risk of being ruined by their players' dads. <laughs> yes. I mean it would be Leafs and then literally everybody else miles no. below. Avalanche. Oh, true. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. You got dads talking shit. That's right. I forgot Man. about that. You know, it's a cute one, though. Uh, uh, Grizzlick's dad. True. Like, Bruins are being helped by team dads. I mean, they got, I mean, they basically have Matt Grizzlick because his dad worked for the team and they were like, yo, let's, let's get his kid. Yeah. Good I mean, player. Dads in, in, uh, in Boston seem to help bring their kids to Boston. So, never know. All right. Uh, well, speaking of Boston, we do have uh, Jim Montgomery today. As I said earlier, this one was in the can for a little bit. We got it at the CCM house when CCM was uh, nice enough to host us. They were like, come on, we'll give you stuff. You can skate around. Sean got some incredible footage of uh, my prowess. I was better than the children who were out there skating. I don't know if we have the video, but in case we don't, I was a lot better. I flipped a puck over the glass to Sean. That was a cool moment. Skated with Jeff, all these fun things. But also Jim Montgomery was there and we were kind of hounding him we felt bad we were like it was early enough in the show where we were like if we want to do this and this is going to be like our full-time job we can't let an nhl coach be hanging around us and let it slip through our fingers so he was very nice he was with his kids and he brought his kids up and we interviewed him he was amazing we had a lot of uh fun with him but i say that all to say 
because this is old, Jim Montgomery has done interviews since, such as this morning <laughs> when he was on 98.5 The Sports Hub in Boston and said that this year he will rotate his goalies. Remember that being a pretty controversial thing last year? He played Linus Olmark in the first six games of the first round. Olmark was not amazing, led in four goals in three of his six games. Most importantly, had a treacherous giveaway in, I want to say, game five that... It's more or so, less gave away the game. It sounds dramatic to say like cost them the Stanley Cup, but guys, yeah, that sounds quite dramatic. Uh, gave away the game and gave away the game, gave away possibly gave away the series mm -hmm. and then a little like lowercase p possibly gave away the cup. Right? Yeah, sure. Do we have Linus Olmark nothing for pussies drop? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh but today he said, uh, I think you got to learn from the past two. Last year, I made a mistake by not doing that in the playoffs. And I think that we as an organization evaluate everything. When you have two goaltenders and the demands of the playoffs are much more strenuous mentally than they are physically because you're only playing every second day. It's not like the regular season. However, mental demands are significant. If you know you can have a day off to get a breather, reset, refocus, and bring your A game again. I think it just behooves us to play to our strengths. And it's an interesting topic because historically, this is not what you do. Teams that rotate goalies in the playoffs are considered like losers waiting to happen. I always go back to when I was a kid, Ron Hextall and Garth Snow, the rotation that the Flyers did. Everyone was kind of waiting for them to fall off because if you have two goalies, you don't have one sort of thing. Last year with the Bruins, I was so all in. This is not revisionist, revisionist history of play both goalies. Yes. They're both awesome. It's one thing if like, shout out Scott Darling, uh, where like you've got two goalies who aren't world beaters where you have uh, Scott Darling and why can't I remember? Corey Crawford? And Corey Crawford. Yeah, where, like, people are going to kill you about that Corey Crawford. Team, I know. Blackhawks fans get on me for that. Where like Corey Crawford was, I think, Corey very Crawford good. was clearly the starter. Right, right, right. But I'm saying like very good, not great. And Scott Darling, who in his own words is the greatest backup goalie <laughs> ever, where there's like starter goalie. You don't want to necessarily be rotating that. You'd like for one of those guys to take the job. Lena Solmark is a Vezina winner. Jeremy Swayman is like what? A top like 10 goalie in the NHL. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's a different story. You have two dogs. Yeah. But I also do think that like the clear cut starter backup thing is becoming more blurred in today's NHL, like running two goalies and having a, a solid tandem is becoming more and more of a priority for a lot of these teams because they are seeing what happens to, to goalies down the stretch in terms of uh, getting exhausted or just like kind of needing to switch things up. Think of how many recent Stanley cup champions have had to run out multiple goalies in their cup run. And uh, the percentage is pretty high. There's just very few guys you see in the league now that are like, quote unquote, workhorse goalies. And I, I would say like there's maybe a handful of them. And I don't think that many of them have won a Stanley Cup. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the, the bell cow thing, I don't want to say is totally over. Shout out Connor Hellebuck. But like, that's not the way that you do it anymore. And if you have to end up spending over $12 million on goaltending between two guys, if it means you always have a really, really good chance to win the game because of your goaltending, absolutely do it.
A lot of things changed. Like back in the day, they used to not start quarterbacks when they were rookies. Mm-hmm. So like you would have, I don't know. I mean, Patrick Mahomes did sit his first year, but like you would have like these like all world talents that are so much better than the guys you have. And you're like, you well, got to protect just, them. It's just not what's done. Yeah. So we don't do it now, especially if I feel like young goalies are becoming more of a thing where it doesn't take a hundred years for a goalie to be good. It doesn't, and you take, don't really need to be eased into it. Like you don't need to be sheltered into a starting role. Right. Like you've learned from the flyers that you can burn you out. Take care. Right. Yeah. Like, you, like you shouldn't burn out a young goalie, but if the guy's good, yeah, sure. Have him split time with somebody. But and like, especially for like in the playoffs for a team like the Bruins, playing both goalies is not going to throw that team into disarray in a series. They've been playing with that rotation all year long. It's like, it's more so business as usual than what they did with Olmark last year, which is okay. We got the same goalie for six games. And he, again, like he wasn't good that threw them more into disarray than anything because they were getting all the saves the entire season. So like just stick to what works. And I believe that that's what Jim Montgomery says that he's learned. And you still feel out, the situation. I know a common, I think, pretty straw manny counter argument is okay. So if you're down in a series and your goalie gets a shutout in game six, you're going to go to the other guy for game seven? Like, no, it's not. Like, rotation isn't one, 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 one. Right. You still go. I mean, the Bruins don't rotate their goal and they're like the rotating team. They don't do you get one, you get one, you get one. Like they'll feel it out by if a guy's playing well, okay, you give him another game. Right. So. The rotation is basically just you are both going to play. And that's that's what it is. And so you don't necessarily have to alternate every single game. Well, I'll tell you what, we've been eating and drinking great. And it's because of factor. I saw that you brought in a meal. What did you bring in? You brought in some vegan hoozy whatsy? Yeah, it was one of the vegan ones. I don't know exactly what it was. I didn't even look at it before I grabbed it out of my fridge. But I did have one of those factor uh, shakes this morning. The smoothie. Mm. I had a factor smoothie, had it on the way to the gym because I needed a little bit of, I'm not to brag, I'm a morning gym guy now. I've just started doing that and I've discovered that I need a little something in me. I'm not a big breakfast guy. I'm trying to get my day going, trying to get to the gym as early as I can, so I'm not doing breakfast. I am doing a factor smoothie on my way to the gym because it does make me feel like I've eaten a breakfast, gives me a little strength to to throw some weights around and uh, I love them for, for hooking us up. They are delicious. I will tell you, I am uh, a pretty irregular, irresponsible, not great at sticking to like three meals a day kind of eater. I'll forget to eat for 10 hours and then I'll just like eat a sub or something. And that's why well, you are regular because of I, I'm regular because of, of our other friends of Olipop. But for those times, I am very much indebted to factor because I do grab those smoothies all the time. And that's like a good way of look, you forget to have whatever meal or like you're in the zone. You don't feel like getting up and making a meal or whatever. Their meals are super easy. You just pop them in the microwave. Two minutes like real meals, but especially those smoothies. I am crazy about them. So head to factormeals.com slash what chaos 50 use code what chaos 50 to get 50% off. That's code what chaos 50 at factormeals.com slash what chaos 50 to get 50% off featuring the wonderful children of Jim Montgomery. Here is Jim Montgomery. 
We're at the CCM house and we've been accused of being a Bruins podcast. So joining us now is Flyers Center, Jim Montgomery. <laughs> Jim, how are you? Not only Flyers, Stars, stars? Canadians, Star. uh, Blues. That's Blues? where I played in my most games. But yeah, short-lived career, much longer uh, coaching career. But let me ask you, does it... So as a former player, do you like that like you can't get old as a coach you have to still be able to skate and everything like do, do, do you want to at some point be able to kind of ease off that yeah you don't have to be really good you just push around even my fat body can get her and lumber around the ice and tell them <laughs> give them orders on what we want to accomplish but you are right coaches uh, can coach for a long time compared to players can play for a long time it seems like basically since you've gotten here to Boston that everybody's been ready and willing to write off the Bruins and say that they're dead and say that this team's over the hill. And yet all you guys have done is basically win every game since you've been here. So what do you think is like the main reason for that? I, I think, uh, one, we got really talented players. And then, two, the culture of compete and caring that our players, how much they compete against each other. To, and they care for each other. So then when we go against other teams, we're really well prepared. How much do you think, like, hey, Chara, you weren't here for Chara, but obviously you in the NHL and coaching against Chara, you know what a leader he was. You saw what a leader Bergeron was. I think that when those guys leave, a lot of us assume that a team loses some of the leadership with it. But it seems like their generals, like, just have fallen in line and... Marshy, we had him on, and he admitted he never thought he was going to be a captain early in his career. But what kind of leader is he? And for a group that should have lost a lot of leadership over the last couple of years, how much leadership do you think you still have? Well, we have tons of it. Uh, and, you know, like there's um, a great book I've read called Built to Last. And that's uh, where you replace the best continuance of success is others learning from others and how they were successful so Bergie learns under Chara you know and uh, Marchie's learned under both Pasta's learned under both you know and of course we have the younger generation of uh, McAvoy, Carlo, Grizzlick, uh, Swayman I mean there's so many others coming in line so they're lieutenants waiting to be generals. What's it like to coach a team with such bad goaltending? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I don't gladly I don't know <laughs> of the guys that have left of which there have been quite a bit who do you miss most coaching wise and personally oh that's a tough one to answer last year's team was so special um you know um you miss bergeron uh for sure but you know like um Felino is someone that I personally miss a lot just because he was an added layer of the compete and care that we talk about and you know I have a special place for Krejci just because of how smart he was I learned so much from him and you know but and there's many others that we've lost there's guys that were here for just for two months you know Bertuzzi and Orloff were really good Bruins while they were here um, you know my, my biggest regret is we didn't win the cup with that group yeah. you know, a special group I think my favorite highlight of this season in particular we followed you guys to Chicago and uh, while we were in the hallway after practice you and Felino chirping each other was like the funniest thing I've ever seen it was you were were very quick to uh to give him a chirp right back so that that warmed my he heart he said uh you were giving a press conference and he tried to imitate you saying uh i miss felino so much <laughs> and you said if only he were a good player <laughs> <laughs> the best yeah. but he's i mean he's unbelievable and it is wild though that like you can lose pieces like that and other players still are there to kind of carry the torch leadership wise uh, 
you don't want to learn lessons in a season that was as good as last season, but like, what lessons do you think the team did learn? You know, it's a good question. I, I think the group that was together all year, we learned, you know, how, you know, we got to push each other maybe a little bit harder this year. Even like we're having success this year, but we can't be comfortable if we're not um, doing things the right way. We're, we're going to be a little more diligent in doing things the right way all the time so that when it comes to the playoff time, we're, we're even more refined against adversity. We talk a lot about players of yesteryear, how they would hold up in today's NHL. It's always fun to say, like, if you dropped Gretzky into this team now, what would it look like and everything? How much has just coaching changed from a coach five years ago to what it's like coaching now? Yeah, five years ago to now, um, probably not that significant of a difference. But I think the offensive portion of the game, how much it's being taught, has really um, developed in the last five years. But I would say that if you're looking at it coaching now compared to 20 years ago, I think a coach that coached 20 years ago and retired, he wouldn't know what we are doing because it's become so much more specific in every area and the development stage and the teaching and the video usage. It's, it's, um, it's another world. What do you think is the hardest part of being an NHL coach? Um, probably the hardest part is keeping every player happy. You know, um, giving them roles that they're, they're happy in is one thing, but giving them the ice time, like last year's team, we were so good, it was hard to get enough minutes for everybody. For the first-line players, the fourth-line players, because they were, they were all doing what we asked them to do. And you'd like to give more minutes. You wish you had more minutes to give out. What's the most uh, maddening refrain or criticism that gets echoed by fans as a coach? Like, it's always something like, play the kids or play this goalie instead of that goal. Again, like, bad, bad to apply to the Bruins because you have two really good goalies. But, like, there's certain things that are thrown at coaches all the time, and it's about play this guy more, play that guy more. Which one makes the least sense to you, generally? Yeah, um... Probably shoot more on the power play. That one, that one is like never heard a fan say yeah. that. <laughs> you know, why don't we shoot more on the power play? It's okay. Boston's the wrong town for that. The last because like you were talking about Krejci. If anybody was good at, you know, like when people say from the ninth floor or whatever, it all looks so different and everything. Krejci would see things that even if you're in the stands, even if you have an overhead view, developing that just like nobody else is seeing. So you guys have had really patient players who will prioritize getting the right shot instead of just getting the volume of shots. Yeah, and that's why Krejci was a, you know, I was a big fan of his is because I believe the longer you possess, the more the other team's going to make a defensive mistake and you're going to end up with a Pasternak one-timer. Did you did did you even have the word, not you, like the, the royal you, did hockey even have the word possession like when you were playing? And all we talk about, not even the stats that are associated with it, but like it, it's become such a possession game. Back in the day, I feel like people would talk about you're an offensive team or you're a defensive team. And somewhere along the line, people realize like the goal really should just be to have the puck as much as you can. Yeah, um, it is. But you also, you know, you got to possess the puck and then you got to find ways to get the hard areas to score. So that's, I think, where the game has really um, developed offensively. 
is people use the puck on the outside, but you watch Connor McDavid and all the elite players now, the Pasternaks, they take it to hard areas because if you stay on the outside, the goalies are going to stop them. The recent conversation has been about three-on-three overtime. Do you think that it needs to be changed, need to be fixed? Do you like it the way that it is? You know, I haven't researched what exactly um, they suggested. I don't know if it's more time or being penalized for bringing it outside the blue line. I, I don't know. I think that they, they suggested maybe like a reverse shot clock where if if you're in your own zone and you're regrouping, you have to get it out and cross maybe the blue line or something in a certain amount of time. So you can't keep regrouping and taking time for the perfect rush. Something like that. Yeah. Um, I, you know, everything's worth looking at. You know, you want the game to evolve. If we can make the three on three about more about uh, less possession and mm -hmm. more about quick strikes, it's going to lead to more up and down odd man mm -hmm. rushes, which is. The best three-on-threes are when there's a two-on-one one way, miss the net or a rebound, two-on-one back the other way. Then there's a breakaway, another breakaway. That's when the fans it's love fun. it. And as, and as us as players and coaches, it's exciting too. There, there was a, a game the other day, I forget who it was, but uh, a team got two chances in a row off the face-off on three-on-three, and the commentator said, like, wow like what a great overtime they're having and the best part about that is like you're not having a great overtime because if you're getting those chances and you're not scoring it's gonna go the other way like overtime always it, 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 that, that's the best part it's like you better bury your chance because it's gonna go the other way have you like maybe changed your stance or what you initially thought of it from when they started doing the three on three? Because I mean, th that was really kind of treated as a boogeyman initially and not real I, hockey. I, right. And I think a lot of people have come around to it. Obviously you might be biased because you have a player like Pasternak and you have the two goaltenders you have. So you have a group that's in McAvoy could go on a group that's well positioned to play in a setting like that. But how did you feel about it initially? Well, I think it, it's exciting for the fans. You got to sell the game, and I, I think it helps sell the skill and um, the the immense talent that we have in so many players and so many teams. So I, I think it's good for the game, but I, and I'm glad that in the playoffs we settle it the way it's always been settled. It's a man's game in the playoffs. Well, we'll get you out of here after this, but we we love to play up the best rivalry in hockey is the Eastern Conference versus Western Conference. Love it. You've played in both. You've coached in both. Is there a significant difference between the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference? And do you pr have a preference? Um, I do think when I was in Dallas and St. Louis, there was a difference. The Eastern Conference was faster and more transitional. And the Western Conference was a little bit bigger and heavier, uh, more old school hockey. Um, and I do find that well, this year that is starting to balance out. You're starting to see some really fast teams mm -hmm. that transition in the West. And I'm finding the Eastern Conference is becoming more, you saw it with Florida last year, all about forechecking and stuff. And there's a lot of teams that are having success in the Eastern Conference being heavy forechecking defensive teams. Well, uh, Jim Montgomery, Canadians, great. Flyers, great. Stars, great. And uh, Blues, great. <laughs> That's also uh, enjoying a, a coaching career that uh, if you want to, check out you can also uh see that he's doing pretty well there thank you very much jib thank, thank you guys appreciate having me what a guy jim montgomery to explain the booties by the way we had to wear booties mm -hmm. when we were in the hockey house because you couldn't walk around and stuff <laughs> yeah it was that that interview was literally filmed in somebody's house mm -hmm. who allowed ccm to take over their Gigantic mansion in Can Canton, Massachusetts. Uh, but 
fair that they were just like, yeah, you can come in. You can par- have a party here, giant hockey party. Only rule was booties. Just wear these booties and yeah. wear the booties we did. Yeah. So that's the first interview we've ever conducted where we and the guest are wearing booties. And it was also just kind of like an unprepared, uh, just got to jump in and uh, talk. And those are always fun ones where you don't know you're going to get an interview, then suddenly you have one and it's like, all right, go off top of the dome. Uh, very nice to Jim Montgomery with his kids who you could hear laughing in the background. <laughs> that was the best part of it. Uh, he's such a nice guy. Uh, we've talked to him a few times at this point and uh, just every time I talk to that guy, he is so, so nice. We'll give you whatever time that he can give you and answers always thoughtful. And just uh, from all the guys that I've talked to that have played under him with the Bruins, like, they love that guy. Gracious, gracious. Uh, shots fired at uh, my guy, Bruce Cassidy. We get all-stars today? We, uh, I think we get the all-star rosters tonight, right, Sean? Um, yeah, well, I know, like, the starters or whatever, mm-hmm. and then like fans the get them voted another rosters. 12 or something like that, but yeah. Yeah, like, the, the, the pre-fan vote portion, I believe, are revealed tonight. And my question is, like, do you care? I will never bullshit the audience ever. I don't care about the all-star game in general. Typically I will maybe care a little bit at the end of the season when like the real all-stars, which that like affects their money and everything like that, that I think is kind of interesting. This affects but their money now too. That is, yeah, that is true. Uh, but generally I am not the target audience for the all-star game. I think that the game itself is the least interesting part of the whole shebang. That's true. The skills thing, I'll check out, but I also know that I can just kind of grab the highlights online and those will be everywhere. I am never like a snub guy because when you see what the all-star lists end up being sometimes, it's so ridiculous that it's like we're really going to get worked up over this. Like Mac Jones was a pro bowler. Yeah, like, I, that's how I feel about it. I actually like all-star weekend it's one of my favorite events i i just think that it's it's very fun it's a party you get guys in a, a, a different sort of state of mind that then you're used to seeing them during the regular season so i think all of that is good and and i appreciate it i just i don't i guess i don't really care all that much as to who goes are you is there anybody i mean i guess this makes the answer no like are there any players this year where you're like might be fun to see them be an all-star I not really Robert like, Thomas. It's not going to like move That's the, the needle for like, me. Hey, remember that time Robert Thomas was like the blues just kind of had a weird season. Robert Thomas is, I don't know. Like, will he be there? All-star maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Could I, be. I don't know. Uh, I, I just think like more so like, I, I like that the, the draft is back. So we'll get to see guys interact more and, and see the return of the draft. And now like a new skills competition, but as far as like the rosters themselves, I feel like they they generally get them as right as they can. And I'm never uh, I'm never come away with like, oh my god, I can't believe my biggest biggest disappointment with the rosters last year was that Tage Thompson had to back out of the All Star game because he got hurt the day the final game before the break, and they had to send Rasmus Dahlin in his place. Like as a Tage guy, I was down there to see Tage, and I didn't get to see Tage. So. Oh, you know what? I actually think I have a potential snub watch. Mm. What if Zach Hyman isn't an all-star? Ooh. He could like not be an all-star. How many? Uh, I I and I I'm admitting I don't know shit about the all-star game. Clearly, what's because every team has to have one representative, right? So 
What's like a high number for a team to have? The the host city usually gets an extra guy or two. So like the host city will usually have three or four guys. Okay, but uh, so like three is pushing it. Three, three, three for like, like a really? non-host city is a lot. Okay, so McDavid, we can guess will be <laughs> yeah. uh, an all-star. Stu Skinner. Stu no. Skinner Ooh, no, sorry. has to. <laughs> No, that's Stu a good Skinner's, way to get his confidence back up. What if the what if the Oilers just slipped the league like ten million bucks? Stu Skinner needs a hot tub for like a month. <laughs> he needs just a break. He needs to fucking breathe for a little bit. What if we the Oilers Cow goalies are over? Not in Edmonton. Oilers bribe Gary Bettman to get Jack Campbell to the All Star game to really give him a confidence boost and boost his stock. To be like, hey, uh, Leafs. You want an all-star goalie? Mm -hmm. Could be fun. William Nylander will be an all-star this year because the game is in Toronto, so he doesn't have to travel to the United States, which he hates so much, apparently. Right. Won't have him anymore. So tonight we are getting 32 players, one from each team. So tonight we are only going to learn one from each team. So, so we'll get McDavid. We won't get Hyman or Dreisaitl. Yeah. So this is the league doing, like, it's... Uh, it's all the work that it technically needs to do. Yeah, basically, yeah. So you'll get, yeah, you'll get the one from each, and then the fans. At that point, it's like, if your guy doesn't make it, that's on you. Yeah. So which, we can't even do like we were gonna do even like a mocking or joking thing with like snubs and everything, even though we don't care about snubs. But like there, so there can't even there be, can't snubs really be snubs tonight because it's right. like there had to be a guy from every team. Uh, I yeah. mean, unless, unless unless it's like like Toronto, you could argue. No, I guess you could argue Nylander versus Matthews if you really wanted to, and then be like, "But like they're both going to be." But you there. know, they're, they're both, yeah. both going to be there eventually. I guess your only thing would be like, "I can't believe the NHL thinks this guy on this team is better than this guy on this team." Um, and I mean, there's some teams where I think it'll be interesting, like the Coyotes, for example. The Coyotes is an interesting case because their best player has been Connor Ingram, but obviously, once you get into goalies, it ends up being weird. You, you mentioned Tage. I don't think he's going to be in the All Star game this year. It's probably probably be, not. It's probably going to be the lean. So I think some of that stuff will be interesting. This ain't a Tage year. It's a Tate year. Yeah, true. that's true. Uh, we did. I chunk it getting a getting my Oilers third jersey customized to be Zach Hyman, because now that I'm thinking of it, it would have been sick if I just got Hyman a Zach Hyman all star jersey for a guy that wasn't at the all star game. Like if he's not at the yeah. All like yeah, I tried to get a uh, I tried to get my all star jersey from from uh, Florida customized so i could have a tage thompson jersey and they wouldn't do it they wouldn't do it because he didn't play oh so i wonder if they would even allow you to to throw on a guy who didn't actually go to the all-star game could you i mean you could cool hockey it couldn't you i i could yeah that would be that might be the move we're gonna be at the all-star game by the way so yes. when we say we're not like shitting on the all-star game we're just being realistic about it it's not like uh, we're in as we get into planning for what we're gonna do while we're there like Basically, during the All-Star game is probably when we're going to be, like, resting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure. We're just going to We're also, we also have big plans for the All-Star game. So, we will be in Toronto. Big and we, plans. We will have, like, a setup in Toronto. Thursday, PWHL 3-on-3 three -three challenge. We'll oh, be there, really? Pal. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I love by that. we, I mean, two-thirds of this podcast will be there. Yeah. I've got better things the, to do. Right. Pete's going to I'll, I'll, be, I'll come down with a case of jet lag. Oh. Wink, wink, wink. I mean, honestly, to me, Hillary Knight or, or Sarah Nurse is far more interesting than, like, I mean, no disrespect, like Connor Ingram. I would rather talk to some of the best female hockey players in the I world. I will admit, so, like, I we have could a big get, mission. We get Sarah Nurse or Chris Kreider. 
I, like, as I producer would, of the show, I'm saying, Sean, produce us, baby. We can have one of these people. There's a scheduling conflict. Who are we having on the show? I mean, this is an NHL podcast, so you got to be like, exactly. if I'm actually being a Thank producer, you. then it's got to be. But like, I, I do, in my personal opinion, like Sarah Nurse is better at her job than Kreider is at his. I don't know, man. I'm Chris a little disappointed that you went. Uh, I, I, I like my producer to, to fuck shit up a little every now and then. Don't sleep on Chris Kreider. I, I Chris want you Kreider. making a bad decision. I want you being like, let's be. Let's be a little reckless. NHL I feel like podcast, my job is NHL. to not be reckless. Yeah, that is true. You're supposed to be like the, the voice of reason. Um, I You should have been like neither. We we find yeah. like the 10th best. We Bedard will Connor also Bedard. be there. Why are we talking to Chris Kreider? No yeah, disrespect. that's true. Uh, we, I, 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 I have an I, I have a feeling that we wouldn't be allowed to talk to Chris Kreider. Oh, I have a feeling I, somebody would have something to say about it. Oh, I wonder who. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, We're not allowed to talk to the New York Rangers. Kind of getting back to your conversation um, earlier about like being interested in people. Like I am genuinely very interested to see how all of the guys treat Connor Bedard, especially when it comes to like the draft and stuff. Like. Bedard is probably going to end up being the first overall pick. I hope they bully him. Yeah, so do I. Like, that's what I think is going to be the vibe. Like, they're going to draft him because he's amazing, but it's going to be like, what's up, son? Like, <laughs> like it's going to be a lot of, like, treating him like a little boy, which I, I think will be funny. That would be awesome. I, like, hope I, that I need him and, like, Ovi on the same team. Not that Ovi. Oh, it could be. Maybe. Is Ovi going to be an all-star? Probably not. Like, but who do they send? Right. I, I feel like they're going to, uh, Ovi will convince the I league feel to like, pick anybody but him. He no, hates you also. I feel like Ovi will end up getting voted in because so many fans want to see him in the draft again. Let me see how call. far I have to go down the list of points leaders in the NHL before Four. I get to a Washington Capitals player. Oh boy, we John are... Carlson scored his second goal of the year last night, so he's probably not. I mean, I'm into the 50s right now. And uh, not seeing anybody. Let's keep going. It is funny. Well, I don't want to spoil it, but I, just the narrative, like at one point we were joking, and not we, I guess a broadcast was joking about, will he ever score again? Yeah. That was uh, famously when we were in Columbus at yeah. our bar, we saw on the TV, uh, a muted TV with the lower third, will Ovechkin ever score again? And I'm pretty sure it was at intermission of a Vegas Golden Knights game in which yeah, the it was Washington Capitals Sabres, were yeah. not evol- involved. Vegas intermission was just like, is Ovechkin ever going to score again? Okay. Uh, on the list of points leaders in the NHL, 127th. In the league is Alexander Ovechkin. Wow. Yeah, so twenty-four I, points. I so he probably will. Yeah, be he probably will be their all-star to lead the team. I mean, I would love to see Bedard and Ovechkin. But the thing is, like, I don't want to see Bedard set people up. What I like about Bedard is that he has to do it all himself. He's like McDavid. If McDavid, McDavid's better than Bedard, but like he's McDavid-esque. With a fucking better shot than McDavid. So he's like, I'm just going to, now that I've done all this shit, I'm just going to score. McDavid has more creativity, though. I I have a feeling at the All-Star game, especially if it's a lot of vets, they'll be like, you do this, kid. Like I don't need this. You go. You go score. Like the goals. this is your. This is your moment. This yeah. is your first. This is fun to game. you. Yeah. I don't care anymore. Do you think our boy uh, Anthony from the Blackhawks is going to be at the All Star game? I hope so. If he is, I hope he's everywhere that we go. Watch out. Like we are a gen. We're like a pretty sober podcast when it comes to like when we go, we do our work, we get our stuff, 
and like we try to get our rest, even though we do stay out late watching hockey and everything. If Anthony and the boys are out, I'm still not going to be drinking or anything, but like bad time to be a fucking Diet Coke at the bar because I'm going to be out till four in the morning telling stories, having a blast. We also will get to hang out with Toronto native and host of the PHMX Coyotes podcast, Leah Merrill. She will be there. Leah's going to be there? Yeah, so you guys will get to meet her for the Don't think there's going to be time, but uh, that's (laughs) awesome. She's going to be doing the same stuff we are. I am very excited uh, for the All-Star Game, the stuff that we're doing there. And I will admit, I I did watch a little bit of the PWHL last night. I watched a little bit, watched the Boston... Uh, the Boston debut, and I'll be honest, not great. I'll be honest, not step back great. wasn't wasn't oh, blown away. Definitely step back. Yeah. I texted you, Sean, saying like this is going to happen in the beginning of anything. This happens with our show. Anything yeah. that is young and burgeoning, there's going to be days where you're like, wow, we're really onto something here, mm-hmm. and there will be days where you're like, we're still onto something, but it's this like the, was it's a like step the back. XFL. Uh, like I think the XF, it's one of those things where it starts. It's never like at least at first, it's never going to be as popular as like day one, mm-hmm. right? Because it's going to be. But like, yeah, last night was not great. After, especially coming immediately off the tails of Ottawa, where the that environment was, awesome. was electric, like it was sold out. It set a record for a professional women's hockey game, like all that stuff. And then you get to Boston, Minnesota last night, where there was a lot of empty seats. Broadcast yeah, that's the, thing. the Lowell fun. thing. The Lowell thing is going to bo- like I I would be very interested to go to a game if they played at Warrior or like a Gannis anywhere around here. Like I I for sure would be down to check it out. I'm not going to Lowell and like yeah. seeing that they didn't even sell out Lowell in the first Which, night. For the record, the uh, Saga Center has a lower attendance than like a lower capacity, capacity. than Ottawa, so it's not like. Uh, there was just like more seats or anything like yeah. that. It was just, and I mean, let's be fair. It's Lowell, man. The interest in women's hockey is probably bigger in the major markets in Eastern Canada than it is going to be in the markets in the States. Yeah, because so like, they're like, we could be good at hockey. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah we, and, we and have a chance it. of winning and something. And I, I think like the recognition of the stars is probably a little higher in Canada and stuff like that, especially since a lot of the women are Canadian. Um, but yeah, it was the broadcast, the audio was off basically the entire game like it was not sunk up with the what was happening like mm-hmm. with the video the like no disrespect the play-by-play guy was getting a lot of a lot of flack in the, the youtube chat for his performance so may i ask you about the uh color commentator uh bridget i believe is her name i am invested in her being a media giant because she is on a, she is the host of a podcast that is the descendant from a Sunday skate from right a hockey show at WEI that Pete and I started basically starting the modern WEI talks about hockey. Uh, also, Bridget is extremely nice. I, I, so I, I don't I don't so think I know her. The problem with the broadcast, I think, is that like she, I, I, she was good. The problem with the broadcast is that the play-by-play guy was kind of also trying to be a color guy. Like they were just so like the the complaints that the people had in the chat was like, "Hey, great, what's happening in the game?" Like they would go minute stretches of not talking about the game, oh, which you can't no. really do in a sport yeah. like hockey. And, you can't and have it was podcasts. A, exactly, over it was a lot game. of conversations. Which is like, as far as as she's concerned with color, like. She, she just kind of has to follow the play-by-play guy's lead. Mm-hmm. And the play-by-play guy was just doing a lot of storytelling. Give them some time to settle into their and, roles. Yeah. yeah. I, and I mean, it, it's, yeah, that that is is what it is. Uh, uh, the game also wasn't good. Yeah. I, I mean, you had two absolute fucking 
bar down snipes from Minnesota that were beautiful. Hillary Knight got robbed of one of the greatest assists I've ever seen in a hockey game. She like was dangle. She just like walked the entire defense and then passed it back. The goal ended up getting called off uh, because honestly, that was another thing. Ref called a goal that probably wasn't a goal, but the video, you could not see the puck uh-huh. and they still overturned it, which is kind of like, I feel like sports 101 need conclusive evidence. Don't think they really had it. Still overturn the goal, whatever. Uh, but man, I'll tell you what I, uh, I saw that Patrice Bergeron was there supporting the gals yeah. last yeah. night and he looked pretty good. And that I was like, call yourself WHL. the Boston 37s. Yeah. Cause I think he was wearing a 37, like Ottawa 67. He made that Jersey look pretty good. He made it look very good. I did yeah. see, uh, the, the pro shop wars. Yeah. It, uh, it, Songus wouldn't be wouldn't expect it to be all that impressive. It wasn't the best. It was what you describe. I, I think is it uh, the Coyotes, Sean? You said they're like merch. Yeah. They, they basically have like a merch stand. Yeah, yeah. They don't have like a. I, so I saw the merch table, and I like like the jersey is fine. I like the green. I, a lot. Yeah, I wish it just had some branding on it or anything. But of all the stuff there, it was just all. It was the jersey, and then it was just a bunch of, like, mugs that just said, like, PWHL on it. I will say, I was also disappointed because the goaltenders did not have custom pads today, and that was mm. the, the goaltenders in the first two days kind of been carrying the visual identity of the league through their pads. The New York goalie has um, uh, po- are the best. possibly set a very difficult bar for her peers. I mean, to- I think she has the best pads in professional hockey, Sports. full stop. Yeah. <laughs> like, better than anything in the NHL. That's yeah, sure. I mean, I will say, I know I, I'm a little biased here. Uh, Coyotes, Connor Ingram has some pretty sick fucking pads, especially for when they wear their Desert Knights jerseys. But um, yeah, no, no, no. It was definitely not as great of an experience as I had night one watching Ottawa, uh, Montreal. Better jersey matchup. I will say that. Mm. Uh, I do like the purple. But. I am. Uh, I'll tell you what, like I'm all fired up for to go to the All-Star game now. Just from talking about the All Star Game for All Star Game merch bit. is and like the the merch tents will be a an incredible. Pro we are shop going wars. to like I I need to start like looking at my finances mm-hmm. and set aside. We have we discussed no we just said we have some things coming up, but yeah. the the things that we have coming up will involve Pro Shop Wars, mm-hmm. and I want to like really set aside money for these well, Pro Shop Wars. The the partnerships that we're entering for the all-star game and all-star weekend will allow us like specialty pro shop war editions. Oh, good. Also, so I, that's going to be, uh, that's gonna be really fun. That's what's probably one of the most things I'm excited about most, uh, is, is sort of the partnerships that we're entering for all-star weekend. I will also say, I don't, I'm going to be vague here because I don't remember how much information you've given out what we're doing after the all-star game. There's obviously the obvious, yeah. Pro, but there's also like the other thing. There's two yeah, big oh yeah. pro shop wars oh yeah. we can <laughs> do the week there's, after. There's yeah. like the obvious one, but I will say, based on my experience, the the other one is like kind of an insane fucking like it's like a it's like a it's like it's, a mansion. It's like it, a hockey house. It's like of, you're at a mall. Yes, it's like a, a department store. It's not a yeah. pro shop. So and I've been to. Uh, I've done the thing that we're doing yeah. afterwards. And yeah, you go into that 
pro shop. Yeah. And you're like, cause you're like, oh, I want to get something for like my mom or something or my friend. And you're like, God damn. Also, there was somebody after our very f- first pro shop wars that sent us a DM and was like, if you're ever in this area, I got like 300 bucks with your name on it to go to this, this store. And yeah, which area is, is it an area? In that area, I believe. Oh, so we could have God. a lot of pro shop wars also, coming in the, uh, the next month or so. Question mark. Two pro shop wars in Toronto because there's obviously going to be the all star thing, but Toronto is presumably going to have. We could also do a Leafs one, a Leafs one, but I don't know if you want to do it. We could also do a uh, Hockey Hall of Fame gift shop pro shop war. I didn't even think about that. I've thought about this, folks. uh, We're not a Bruins podcast, but like. Do we just do a Bruins one at some point? Because we don't have, a have somebody said the Bruins have like one of the best pro shops in the league. They they have a very good pro shop. They have shop. a very good pro uh, shop. Assuming the I'm not giving up hope yet, but assuming the Columbus Pro Shop footage is lost, we don't have any pro shop wars in the can until we go to Toronto. So we're gonna need to like hire another producer for like do, do we just, just like Hire just another producer for SD two cards. weeks. No, I'm saying like <laughs> when we go to the All Star game, hire a freelance, and then producer. go to the next thing after. Yeah, do we just like hire a freelance producer? Anyway, uh, chaos chain tonight. Yeah. Kraken Senators in Seattle. Kraken have won five straight. The Senators beat the Canucks this week, so uh, it's a real clash of the titans. The bet has been placed: twenty dollars on the Seattle Kraken tonight. They are minus one twenty-two against the Ottawa Senators. That is 20 to win $16.39. That could be entered into the Chaos Chain uh, bank account. Mm. But, uh, yeah, first, first, I guess technically the second Chaos Chain game. Uh, but Kraken Senators tonight, big game. Uh, neither one of us have either of these teams. What, but, uh, no. what was your team again, Pete? My team Canadians. is the Montreal Canadiens. I think that we're going to draft additional teams so, at some point. Uh, if the Ottawa Senators were to win, they have four games, but then they play the Avs and then the Canadians. Whoa. So if they go on a little bit of a win streak, they could. Yeah, the Ottawa Senators going on a win streak doesn't sound like something that is uh, very likely. I mean, they would have to be, if they beat the Kraken tonight, they have Oilers, Flames, Sabres, Sharks. So if they get past the Oilers... Maybe not that unrealistic, but um, and then they have yeah. And I'm Avalanche. You're Penguins. Right? I'm Penguins. Yes. All right. Hell yeah. Well, uh, thanks for having a nice little week with us. The all the live streaming and everything was a lot of fun. If you're listening on any sort of podcasting thing, please, please, please subscribe on YouTube. Trying to get those numbers fat and vice versa if you're listening if you're watching on youtube right now please go to uh spotify or apple Podcasts wherever you get your podcast hit the subscribe button give us five stars also, all that good stuff leave us a comment i'm being told the senators didn't beat the canucks Let's see. Uh, i don't i don't i was senators gonna say if you are watching this right now hit the like button yes hit the very like button. easy thing to do there's a thumbs up there just yep. smash it like follow on all socials the senators lost to the canucks so this could be a galvanizing win for them three it's yeah, the, they did the other thing you could have done against the canucks so that's i the- also want to say we need to get the- oh i didn't i didn't realize where that even came from i didn't notice that you said uh senators beat the canucks we need to get the chaos chain out of the west coast uh disagree. I the West mean, Coast, it's best just, coast. But it's just easier to not have to stay up until ten. 
for I'm going to do it anyway because I'm going to the Bruins game tonight. Well, so. that, that's true. I'm just saying in general, the longer it's in the West, the more inconvenient it is. We have another comment that says, Canucks beat the shit out of the center. All right, shut the fuck up. I was right. <laughs> I, I, I got it. They I, did, they did I, double I, I them up. I fucked with the Google Doc. It's not DJ's fault. I threw it in there so that he would say it and sound like an idiot. Uh, you're right. You're right. Getting... Getting me back for, for Connor Bedard. Connor Bedard. What is it? Connor Bedard has nine hundred points. points. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's at an all-time high in popularity. All right, love you. Uh, we'll have stuff on All Star things and everything, but uh, we'll be back with regular episodes on Monday. Talk soon. Bye.